cross on your behalf and on mine to pay the penalty for the sin that makes us who we are apart from Christ. He paid the penalty. He took care of it. He is alive today, seated at the right hand of the Father, right now reigning. And praise God, he is reigning. Because when we think on the holiness of God, it's really hard to define that. But simply thinking upon the holiness of God, there is no other like him. There is none to compare to him. He is perfect. He is pure. He is righteous. And when I see myself before him and his holiness and me and my wretchedness, I praise God that Jesus reigns. There is no other way we can stand before him except through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That should humble us. And as we take a moment and go before the Lord in prayer, I'm asking that you would humble yourself, get in whatever position you can right now, sit on the front edge of your seat, lean into the seat back in front of you if you're able to step into the aisle and kneel with me, please do so. But let's humble ourselves before our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ and the Father. Oh, Father, I can't even imagine what it would have been like for Isaiah to see into your throne room and hear those gathered around your throne declaring, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God. Lord, we worship you this morning because you are God and because you are holy. We humble ourselves before you, God, because we are not and we are in great need of Jesus, our Savior. Thank you, Father, for sending him to the cross, Jesus. Thank you for your willingness to go. Thank you for extending, extending to us, gifting to us your Holy Spirit that remains with us even when we sin. Thank you for our salvation. God, as we continue on in our worship this morning, as your word is declared, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be in the right place. I pray, Lord, that our ears would be open to hear you speak. May your word be declared this morning. May it touch each heart where it is, that you would bring everlasting change into the lives of those who hear your word. We trust that you are among us because you say that you are. Thank you for the gathering and the fellowship of believers. Lead us now as we continue on. In Jesus, your mighty name we pray, amen. You can turn, if you will, to John chapter 16. This is, this is the final message of a series that we began on January 6th. Um, January 6th, we, pardon me for a second. On January 6th, we began a series called Real Peace. And why Real Peace? Um, it's because of the things that we had just walked through together as brothers and sisters in Christ over the last two years. Um, we, we heard words like anxious, anxiety, lacking peace, 
troubled, um, lost. Words like this that we know the word of God addresses straight on and very clearly declares to us that we have no reason to be troubled, not a single reason to be troubled if we are in Jesus Christ. And so as the elders and the staff gathered, we decided, hey, listen, we believe that Jesus' final words, just after he had broken bread and uh, shared in the Lord's Supper with the disciples, the words that he shared with the disciples, those who were with him, chapters 14, 15, and 16, Jesus says to them, let not your hearts be troubled. And that is the theme throughout the course of those three chapters that we have been in since January 6th. Truth spoken, John 14, 15, and 16. Jesus begins by saying this. Hey, listen, you have no reason for your hearts to be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. And so that's a direct, that's a direct word from the Lord Jesus to us. You have no reason to be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. He says, believe in me. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you have no reason for your heart to be troubled. Believe in me. And he says, I'm going away. He's preparing the disciples for his soon-to-come departure through the cross. He is preparing them, saying, listen, I'm going to go away, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again because I want you to be with me where I'm going. So Jesus says to them, I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you that you will physically be able to exist with me in all of eternity in perfect harmony in love with God, the father and me, us together for the rest of eternity. And then he's challenged by one of the disciples. Hey, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the father except through me. That's how you get to where I'm going. If you receive that truth, you will come and be with me one day in eternity. Let not your hearts be troubled. I'm going away, yet I'm coming again. And listen, while I'm going, he says, I'm going to provide for you someone called the helper, that is the Holy Spirit, to be with you. And this is what the Holy Spirit is going to do for you once he dwells inside of you. He will be there for your comfort He will be there to open your eyes to see further and deeper into my truth, Jesus says. He'll be here. The Holy Spirit will be in us to encourage us when life gets hard and when life gets lonely. He will be here. He will dwell inside of you, Jesus says, to strengthen you when the world hates you for the message you declare about me. This is what the Holy Spirit's going to do for you. Yes, I'm going away. Yes, I'm going to come again, but I'm going to provide of myself to you through the Holy Spirit that I will give to you. Jesus goes on to compare himself to a vine. Speaking in a figure of speech, he declares that he is the vine, the father is the vine dresser, taking the mind of the disciples to a vineyard. And you are the branches. You must remain connected to me, the vine, for your nourishment and life. For apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. And you must expect that as you are connected to the vine, God the Father is the vine dresser, and he wants you to look more like me. He wants you to be more and more and more fruitful so you can expect to be pruned. Some of it will feel good, some of it will not. Remain, remain, remain connected to me, Jesus says, just as the branches are to the vine. And then he says, listen, 
in just a couple of hours, just a few hours from now, your sorrow, you will be filled with sorrow because of what's about to happen to me, Jesus says. But it won't be long till that sorrow will be turned into complete joy. Speaking of the coming cross, the sorrow they will experience for seeing Jesus crucified, but then the extreme joy they will feel and experience knowing that Jesus is alive. That brings us today to today. This is one of the most exciting passages because they're Jesus's final, final words. And if I can quote verse 33, the last verse of chapter 16, the last words that Jesus spoke before we see him praying to God on behalf of the disciples, on behalf of himself, on behalf of the disciples, and then for us, this is what he says. He says, I have said these things to you. Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me, circle and highlight those two very simple but profound words in me. So very critical to the life of the believer. Verse 33 says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. And he says, in this world, in the world, you will have tribulation, you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. I have said these things to you. Jesus, throughout the course of his entire ministry, was most concerned with the disciples receiving the truth that he spoke. I think through all, I think through all of the miracles that the disciples were able to witness, Jesus walking on water, Jesus coming out of sleep and standing at the bow of a boat and calming the storm, laying the waters down flat and calming the winds. He saw Jesus raise people from the dead. He saw Jesus heal people. All of these things bearing testimony to who Jesus was. He is the son of God the Father. But Jesus was most concerned with them listening to the truth he spoke because Jesus knew and Jesus knows that it is through listening and hearing the word of God that one receives his or her faith. He says, I've said these things to you. Jesus's last words knowing that this world, this world we live in is going to present all kinds of trouble. And Jesus says, if you are in me, you have no reason to be concerned with these troubles that you are experiencing and will continue to experience because I have overcome that. This past Thursday night, I got a chance to watch our fourth and final son graduate high school. But there was a young woman that walked across the same stage that I'm gonna tell just a very brief piece of her story. Her name is Skylar Cavelli. Read an article and I've heard from friends about some of the things that Skylar, a standout softball player for Grand Haven High School, some of the things that she has had to endure since the age of 11. At the age of 11, she was in a horrific car accident that nearly took her life sent her into, a tent, into intensive care and long rehab at the age of 11 years old. Working through that painful process, we see her come living, living through 
the rehab that she had to go through with softball being one of her greatest passions. She comes to her 10th grade year, her sophomore year. She decides to try out for the basketball team. She makes the team and the very first game she tears her ACL. Here's what that means. All right, basketball is over. Yet that impacts my first sporting love, which is softball. It impacted her ability to play softball, her sophomore, and even on into her junior year. She recovered, she strengthened, she played. Car accident at the age of 11, tears her ACL in 10th grade. And that's just, just a few weeks before graduation. After a playoff game that she had won and was critical in, the victory over Jenison. Way to go, Grand Haven, five to one. But just after that, she learns that her father had died suddenly. Eighteen years old. And I think, I think about the trouble that she has experienced in her short 18-year life. And I stand here and I say, that shouldn't, no one should have to endure stuff like that. Almost losing your life, dreams dashed, father dies, all inside of 18 years. No one should have to endure that trouble. Well, I want you to be thinking today, what are the troubles that you experience in your life? What are the troubles that you have experienced? Because here's what Jesus says, whether you are in Christ, whether you believe in Jesus Christ as your personal savior or not, Jesus makes this promise to everyone, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. What is yours? I want that to be in the forefront of your mind right now because what Jesus is telling us, if you are in Christ, you have no reason to have your peace taken from you because Jesus says, I have overcome the world. And so we see Jesus here with his final, final words. He says, I have overcome the world. Please listen to me. Please listen, he says to the disciples. Please listen, he says to you and me. Please believe. Because when you believe, you become in me, Jesus says. Please believe. These are his final, final words. So let's take a look at John chapter 16, verses 25 to 33, and let's see what kind of promises come out of being in Christ and believing the words that he says. Verse 25 says this. Jesus says, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God." I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet 
I am not alone for the Father is with me. And verse 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world, in the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is Jesus saying, please, I've said these things, please believe in me. There are a handful of takeaways that I believe um, God intends for us to receive today and take home with us as we culminate this series called Real Peace. So here we go. Please believe because when you are in me, when you are in Jesus, here's the first one, your eyes will be open to the truth. Look at verse 25. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. Figures of speech, like what? So Jesus is talking in figures of speech to the disciples. So, so some of you know, Jesus spoke in parables to the masses, but he, speaks to, he was speaking to the disciples in figures of speech like this. If you go back to chapter 15, he says, I know this is hard for you to understand what I'm saying to you. Under, the disciples' understanding was so limited by their personal experience and, and the limitations of the teachings that they had received throughout the course of their life. So I'm gonna put this in a way that I think will help you understand. I am, Jesus says, I am the true vine and you are the branches. So imagine right now, I am, I am a grapevine and you are a branch. I am the vine, you are the branches and my father is the vine dresser. So here's what's going to happen. You must remain connected to me like a branch is connected to the vine. What happens if you break a branch off what happens to the branch? It withers away and it dies. You must remain connected to me for that's where you will find your nourishment and relationship with me. But also, guess what? The father is the vine dresser. So he's going to come along and he's gonna look in the areas of your life where you are not being fruitful and he's going to start trimming those places in your life off. Jesus speaking in figurative speech, Remain connected to me, receive your nourishment from me, celebrate, celebrate the pruning that God the Father is bringing to you because he wants you to be more fruitful. Figures of speech. If you look just above uh, verse 25 in the passage that Jasper spoke about, your sorrow is going to be turned to joy. Speaking of his coming cross experience, they're going to see him sacrificed and crucified on the cross. Sorrow. Like, like this, disciples, like a woman who's going into labor. She's been pregnant for nine months, and now she's headed into labor. Ladies, you know what the process is and the experience is from going, approaching labor, the fears and the joys and the anxieties and the sorrows that come along with that, knowing what's coming, giving birth to new life, you forget the pain and celebrate the true and new life that has come from you that God has blessed you with. Jesus is saying, hey, that's what it's going to be like for you as you watch me die on the cross. Your sorrow is going to be turned into joy because now on the other side of the cross, new life is made possible for everyone in me. Figures of speech, Jesus speaking to the disciples in such a way to help them understand what our divine and God level eternal truths to simple-minded humans. The disciples, along with you and me, lack 
the human capacity to receive divine truth. You combine that with the dullness of the human mind, the incomplete teaching that the disciples had received from the religious leaders of their day, not possessing the Holy Spirit of God in them, Jesus had to find a way to communicate to them in such a way that they would be able to hear and receive divine truth. Okay, so listen to this. This, this is what it'd be like. This is how complicated it must have been for Jesus to try and help the disciples understand. You and I, if you are in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 or 2, it says that the things of the Bible, Jesus' words are divine truths that cannot be understood apart from the Holy Spirit opening our eyes to see and receive it. So God is trying to, Jesus is trying to share with the disciples these divine truths that they couldn't get. For example, God is the only one. He is the only one. There is no other like him. So, Try and describe to someone who God is without using the word like, because you cannot do it. You cannot say God is like because there's nothing to compare him to. It's like trying to describe to a blind person who has never seen what the color green is. There, there is no, there's no capacity for that blind person to be able to understand what the color green is because they've never seen. You can, you can have a tub full of diamonds and you can pick out the most pure and the largest diamond, but you can also say that diamond is like all of the others, even though it's the most precious one. You could, same thing with any other precious jewel. This is, this is what it was like for Jesus to describe to the disciples these divine truths. You can't do it because there is nothing like who God is. There's nothing like what Jesus did for us, divine truths that the disciples had such a hard time understanding. Jesus says, the time is coming where I'm just going to simply, simply tell you plainly. Look at verses 28, 29, and 30. Remember, Philip, back at the beginning of chapter 14, he said, Lord, he said, Lord show us the Father. They so wanted to see the Father. The, the, the miracles that Jesus did to prove who he was, the truths that he spoke weren't enough. Lord, show us the Father. And so Jesus says very plainly in verse 28, I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. And his disciples said, ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figures of speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus spoke plainly, but did they really understand? And I have to tell you, like, I'm learning over the years, you really can't preach on something you don't understand. So I'm really not going to preach on this, but I'm going to share some wonders that I have with you. Here's what I wonder about that. Jesus is speaking plainly, and they're saying, now we understand. I believe the disciples understood that Jesus came from God, but the things they said after Jesus' death make me wonder, did they, all right, they knew that he came from God, but was he really the Messiah? Because you, know the, you remember the road to Emmaus. These two disciples are walking down the road. Jesus comes up next to them and he says, hey guys, tell me what's going on. And they look at him like, are you the only one that hasn't been around to hear what's happened? 
The one we had hoped was the one to redeem, to save Israel, was just put to death. They may have believed he was from God, but that very statement by those two said, we really don't, didn't believe that he was, well, we were hoping he was, but it turns out he wasn't. And then you see Thomas, the doubting Thomas, after the other disciples had seen him, and they're trying to convince him, hey, listen, Jesus, we saw him, he's alive. I will not believe until I can see the wounds in his hands and his sides and touch him. I will not believe. Jesus spoke very plainly here, and they make the statement, now we know, now we know. This is why we believe that you came from God. The hour is coming. So when did they fully believe? Verse 25, the hour is coming. When was that hour? That's really hard to know, but here's what I know. Here's what, here's what the scripture would tell us. The moment you look, at, you look at chapter 20 and Jesus says, he breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Was that another level of understanding that he extended to them? But here's what we know, that at Pentecost, the day where God poured the Holy Spirit out on the disciples and they started speaking with boldness, we know that that is the moment that they were to, able to see and understand the things of the Lord. These things... John chapter 14, these things I've spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid because the Holy Spirit is going to come. He's going to open your mind to be able to receive the things that I've taught you. He's going to bring it all to remembrance and he did just that. So how does this apply to you and me? All right, for, for us, for the believer in Jesus Christ, for the one who is in Jesus, where does the Holy Spirit need to open your eyes to be able to receive the truth? I think of Skylar and I'm like, here would be a question in my head if I'm an 18-year-old that experienced some of the things that she did. How in the world is it that a loving God would permit such awful things to happen to an 18-year-old? Well, here's what I know. Jesus also says, remain patient. Give it time. All the days ordained for you are written in my book before one of them came to be. This is a part of the Father's pruning process to make you more fruitful in your relationship with him. Patience. Where does the Holy Spirit need to open your eyes to the truth? Maybe you should just simply ask him, Lord, I don't understand this truth you're trying to bring to bear in my life. Please help me to understand. For you, the unbeliever, Here's what I know. For the one here that has not come into relationship with Jesus Christ, which means you don't have the Holy Spirit of God, to open your mind to the truths of this book. It's folly. And I, look, even, even as a believer in Jesus Christ, when I lay out the story of Jesus, the actual factual account, it's outlandish and so hard to believe. But because of the Holy Spirit in me, it's easy for me to believe. I can't make sense of Jesus being born of a virgin, 
I can't make sense of, he was tempted in every way that you and I were tempted and he walked this earth, never once gave into a temptation, never once did anything wrong, never sinned. And then that the father, divine truth, would send him, his son, to the cross to pay the penalty for you and wretched me. And he didn't stay dead. He rose again, and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, reigning and speaking to him on our behalf. And, and, and he's going to come back someday, and what Scripture says, riding on a white horse, coming from the clouds to take you and I, believe, believers in Jesus Christ, home to be with him. Outlandish. It makes sense that the unbeliever wouldn't believe because it's an incredible story. It's like fantasy, but it's real. And the moment you give your life to Jesus and he comes into you, he opens your mind to be able to see and receive this truth that he is speaking. I have said these things so that you would believe. Please believe, Jesus says, because when you are in him, your eyes will be open to see and receive the truth. Believe, simply believe. Here's another one. Jesus says, please believe because when you are in me, you will have direct relationship with God the Father. Look at verses 26 and 27. In that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. The Father himself loves you. And because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God, that's why God the Father loves you. He's saying to the disciples, this Father that you wanna see, if you believe in me and you receive my words, if you love me by obeying my commands, my father is going to love you. This doesn't make sense to the disciples. You mean to tell me that I can have direct relationship with God the Father if I simply believe in you? It's that simple? He says, yes, simply believe in me. And you'll have direct relationship with God the Father. The disciples are like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Once a year, the high priest is able, once a year, for a very short time, to walk into the Holy of Holies in the temple. Get in, do his business, get out, because if he tarries or does something wrong, dead. You're telling me that the high priest is able to do that once a year, but I, if I believe in you and I'm in you, I can have direct relationship with God the Father? And the answer is yes. Yeah, it's that simple. Just believe in me and love me. They wanted to see the Father and know that Jesus was from him. They did not. Jesus was saying, you do not need someone to go between you and God the Father. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you are in me, you can have relationship with God the Father. Why is this such a big deal for us? Because when you love Jesus and believe that he came from God, you have direct relationship with God himself. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. That's an expression of your love to Jesus by doing what he commands. So if you're, I mean, I'm supposing you were like me because you were born into the same sinful flesh I am. I know what the commands are. I know when I receive a conviction from the, from the Holy Spirit who is in me to not do that, and I do it. 
Well, that's an expression of not loving Jesus. And then I do it again. And then I do it again. And then I do it again. And I feel the conviction. And I feel the conviction. Man, I am driven to a place where I'm wondering, do I even love Jesus? And what does that do? And how does that impact my relationship with God the Father? Well, here's where I settle down. Because I know I am in Christ you are in Christ, even if you mess up over and over and over again. Now listen. The moment you sin, if you sit in your car and you cry your eyes out because you just messed up, know that the conviction of the Holy Spirit that drives you to a place of shame is when it is that strong, you must know that you love Jesus and you are grieved that you didn't act in a manner that was pleasing to him. He has it covered by his grace and with his mercy through the cross. That's you, brother and sister in Christ. That, that is meant for you. There are those who are not in Christ who have yet to receive who Jesus is. The unbeliever, there are many that believe there is a God, but according to Romans chapter one, they have no interest in him. No interest in him. For although they know God, they knew God, they do not honor him as God. There are those who believe that God actually exists, but will not come into relationship with him because they refuse Jesus. Unless you believe in and love Jesus, you have no relationship with God and you stand opposed to him. Jesus says, please believe because when you do, you have relationship with the Father. You can be in relationship with the Father just like I am. Here's the third one. When you are in Jesus, your faith will be put to the test. And you're like, I don't like that piece. The other stuff I love, I can be in relationship with God. The Father, he's gonna open my mind to receive truth, but now you're telling me here comes some more pain. Yep. Look at verses 31 and 32. Jesus says, he answers the disciples. He says, do you now believe? Or it can also be translated, you are now, or you, you're believing now. So Jesus is affirming, I know you believe. I know you believe. But guess what? Guess what's coming? Some challenges that are gonna put your faith, your ability to believe to the test. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Verse 32, behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his home and will leave me alone. And Jesus says, I'm, yet I'm not alone for the father is with me. So he's like, hey, don't worry about me. I'm taken care of by the father, but here's what's gonna happen. You just said you believe in me. Here's what's gonna happen. And the moment this happens, you're gonna be scattered. Your faith is being put to the test and it's revealing where it's weak. The hour of the cross was ordained by God and caused by the world. God determined that this had happened. He had turned it over to the world so that they would see it fulfilled. The hour came for the disciples for their faith to prove itself and they were scattered. We, for those of us who are in Christ, should celebrate this most amazing truth that our faith is going to be put to the test through the trouble, through the tribulations that we experience 
on this earth that Jesus promises are going to come. Why should we celebrate it? Because God cares to reveal to you that you actually have a faith that matters, that you actually believe in Jesus. So if you're sitting in your car crying your eyes out over something you just did, feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you should celebrate in that because it reveals your faith has been put to the test and the conviction is showing you you actually belong to Jesus. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline for he is treating you like his son. Where is your faith weak? Wherever your faith is weak, guess what? The Lord's gonna use the troubles of this world to provoke you to see where your faith is lacking. That is to be celebrated because that says that God the Father loves you. The hour is here. It was there for the disciples at the cross, just a few hours away for their faith to be tested. If you are not in Christ, your hour is right now. Your hour is right now. You are being given the tremendous gift of the word of God to be declared to you to say, be in relationship with Jesus Christ. Now is the time for you to measure what you place your faith in because Jesus is saying, place it in me. Do not leave here. Do not be scattered like the disciples were when you're presented with the cross. Give your life to Jesus and be in him. For those of us who are in Christ, And you see the trouble, you see the tribulation that God is using to prune you, God the Father is using to prune you. How are you guilty of fleeing? What is it that causes you to flee? What are the tribulations that you you refuse to face? You are not resting in the presence of Jesus. Your faith is being tested and it reveals your salvation, yet it shows where your faith is weak and the Lord simply wants to strengthen it. When you are in Jesus, your faith will be put to the test and we should celebrate that church. All right, so we need to wrap this up, okay? So here we go. Jesus saved the best verse for last, verse 33, and he says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation, you will have trouble, but what? Take heart or take courage. I have overcome the world. He says, take heart, take courage. He's the only one ever to utter those two words in all of the New Testament. Jesus says, take heart. In this world, you will have tribulation, you will have trouble. Listen, when you hear the world, this is what you need to think, not the planet we live on, You have to think of the evil system that is under the control of the enemy, Satan himself. That includes every physical pain you experience, every emotional pain you experience, every spiritual shortcoming, everything, everything that causes tribulation in this world is from the world. The world promises tribulation. Jesus promises peace. 
The world is going to bring challenge to you. When you hear the world, it's what the enemy presents to you, not what Jesus presents to you. It's a complex, it's a system of evil that only promises and perpetuates trouble. So what are the things that currently trouble you? In our world, in our own country, maybe you can bring it down to your family level. Maybe it's you personally. What are some of the troubles, the tribulations you are experiencing? Because Jesus says, in me, in me, in me, you may have peace. So unbeliever among us, one who has yet to receive the truth of who Jesus is, here's what you need to know. Trouble and tribulation will come for you too. You can't escape it. But Jesus is the way to have peace in the midst of that. Jesus says so. All right? For those, who, those of us who are in relationship with Christ, now listen to this, who are in Christ, in me you may have peace. Anytime you decide I'm going to try to bring peace to myself on my own terms, you're not, you're not walking in the peace that Jesus has for you. You may have peace. You may have peace if you are determined to do things the way Jesus wants you to do them. Peace is shalom. It means wholeness. To the Jew, that meant wholeness and satisfying, to live a whole and a satisfied life. How in the world do we do that? We take heart knowing that Jesus has overcome the world. Interesting, this is before the cross and he says he had, he's already overcome it. Jesus was always in control. God the Father knew what he was doing. Corey and I, when we do a sermon collaboration, this is it. In me, Jesus says, please be in me. Let me open your mind to receive my truth. Let me bring you into relationship with God the Father. Let me walk you through the trials and tribulations to strengthen your faith that, the life is, that this life is gonna bring. So Corey and I, we're always, Corey's always, always like pressing me about, okay, so, so we're in relationship with God. What's, what, what does that mean for us? I'm like, I go back to relationship with God the Father. We sing it so often. Jesus, you don't need to do one more thing for me. I, I hate the word deserve because we deserve nothing but the wrath of God. When I hear someone say, I deserve better, I deserve this, I, that drives me batty because here's why. Here's what I believe. And I'm so glad Corey challenges me on this when I preach. I believe that we need to be in nothing more than loving relationship with God the Father. That takes care of everything. It's through Jesus when we're in him. I don't believe we need another single thing. But Corey's like, but there's more to it than that. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. When we are in loving relationship with God the Father, he will always, always, always outperform your expectations of what he can do and will do for you. Always outperform it. 
because he loves you. He loves you so much that he will do for you. He'll open your mind to receive who Jesus is. He'll open your mind to receive the truths of the word. He'll walk you through the trials and tribulations of this life. He says, he says, I will bring you a peace that passes all understanding and I'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus as you work through the things that this world places before you. So here's your final challenge. Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? If you are not in Christ, please do not be scattered. Please come and we are happy to walk you through it. There will be people standing down front ready to talk to you about what it means to be in Christ. Brother in Christ, sister in Christ, let's celebrate the truth that we, no, it doesn't matter what this world presents us, doesn't matter. Because when we are in Christ, the tribulations that come mean nothing because we have a full access to the peace that comes through being in relationship with Jesus. Lord, you are... I love it, Jesus, when you speak so clearly. I love that you have said these things. And I pray, Lord, I pray, Lord, that just as you have said these things, that you would open the minds of us to receive. May your word do the work. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so last thing. This Skylar, this one who was in a, horrific car accident at the age of 11, tore her ACL her sophomore year of high school, just learned that her dad died a couple of weeks ago. The Lord was using that. He was crying out to her, turn to me, turn to me, let me be in you, please be in me. Last summer, she gave her life to the Lord. That's right. And so guess what the Lord's doing in her heart? He is, he is teaching her, you can have peace no matter what happens. He is fashioning her faith. He is strengthening her faith through all of the hardship that comes through her life and into her life and proving himself over and over, you can have peace in me. Amen. Let's stand as we respond.